laid up in the same pot. Oh, cup the rock went front, flopping on mats up. Flopping them sacks, hiding seeks and spots to out on we sell crack. Facts, war on drugs was a chess game. Was a pawn, guns drawn on my front lawn. Just a young nigga staring down the corner. Checking out the hustlers with the latest kicks on them. No one nigga won't. Mama ain't got it. Walking up a school line, but she know about it. I was just a young nigga, know what I was headed for. Jumped off the porch, but really I wasn't ready for it. Get up off the hood, find a way out. Well, I'm on either death or jailhouse. Wanna get away from all this stress. But me, mama just wanted the best. Cause ain't no next life, so now I'm trying to live my best life. Living my best life. Oh, hi, I'm Sadwater, and this is Sadcast episode 63. I am back. This is my third attempt today to try to do this because I realized my microphone wasn't working after I thought it was a software update. So now my computer's doing a whole software update thing, which maybe this is going to all shut off. It might all just shut off while I'm recording this. But whom, whom stays to care? I'm back in civilization. I was in Alaska for nine days. I went on a hunting trip. It was eye-opening. I am done with Los Angeles. I have my microphone. Everything's breaking. I'm done with Los Angeles. I'm going to move to Montana. My brother lives there. I'm going to move there in the next two years. Sometime in the next two years, I will be in Montana. Uh, as I was flying back to L.A., and we were landing in LAX, I was looking out at the wasteland of Los Angeles, and I got very depressed. You get used to it, though. That's the major problem is you get used to it. When you're in it for a while, you have you have your routines, you have everything, and you get used to it, and then it's fine. But once you escape from L.A. and you go to somewhere like Alaska, you realize L.A. is not real life. And it's just everything about it is bad. Even the positives, like, oh, there's a ton of hot girls in L.A. That's not a good thing. <laughs> That's not a good thing. And also, they're all mostly shitty. The most... Uh, vain people come to live here because they all want to be famous and they're all special and they've been told that their whole lives. And you know what? Maybe some of them are, but most of them are not because most people are not in general. Um, and that's fine. But you know who knows that? Is really humble people in places like Alaska where you walk down the street and they wave to you and you're not used to that the first couple of days and then you get used to it. And then, and then you wave back and you're driving a car and then you wave to the guy driving a car because, hey, we're living in Alaska, and, and you have to kind of be a little a little rough around the edges to go do that. And you all have a, a, a sort of respect for one another. And most people who live there are blue-collar workers, you know, fishermen and such. Not a model actor, Instagram influencer, activist type. That doesn't exist up there. It's embarrassing. That kind of stuff up there is very embarrassing. But as I said, I went there... About 10 or 11 days ago, I went there with my little brother, his friend, and our friend, ch our childhood friend lives up there. He's a hunter. Uh, no, he's a fisherman. And he goes hunt once in a while for fun. And he came to my brother's wedding in March. And we were talking. And we were telling him how we, got, we just got into hunting, which is rare for people out here in Los Angeles. And he goes, you should come up to Alaska. And we said yes. Usually when those conversations happen... It's uh, it's kind of like um, it, it, it's usually insincere. Like, yeah, I'll come up, you know. It's kind of like, uh, hey, how are you? Oh, I'm good. And you? No one really cares. 
And then that's just how the conversation goes. It's like NPC. It's it's just you say what you're supposed to say. Like, you should come up to Alaska. Yeah, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll think about it. I'll go up there. I've been meaning to go up there. But we really did. And I actually didn't think we, w- we were going to go. Uh, like, I bought even when I bought the plane ticket and all that, I just didn't think we were end up – I thought something would have come up because something usually comes up. And then you always justify – a reason to not go and to not do something like that, to not really be adventurous. And, uh, and this was a real adventure. It wasn't the type of adventure that you, you, uh, you hear people talk about in Los Angeles, like, Hey, we should go on an adventure today. We should go to Malibu and then go to the farmer's market and, you know, just see what, see where, see where the day takes us. It wasn't that kind of adventure. It wasn't, um, I have a Jeep Wrangler to drive to the Grove in Los Angeles, which is an outdoor mall. It's not that kind of adventure. Uh, it's legit an adventure. The moment we landed in Juneau, we took a seaplane. You know those planes that land in the sea? It, the hint is in the name of the plane. And we took that to this place called Elfin Cove, which is where we stayed. Population 20. We, we added like 20-something percent to the whole population when we got there or something. My math is not good. Math is not good in my brain, but I think that's how much it was. And uh, we got there and super tired because we we had to wake up at 4 a.m. Los Angeles time, which is 3 a.m. Alaska time to get out. But we made it. After three flights, we made it to Elfin Cove, which is uh, stunning. There's nothing like it except probably in Iceland. But there's nothing like it in the United States, except probably Montana. The thing about Alaska, though, is instead of lakes, uh, all the mountains meet the ocean. So um, even when the glaciers melt, not because gl- of global warming, but even when parts of the glaciers melt, the, 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 the glaciers are up in the mountain, the rivers and, and streams and whatever, they, they go into the ocean. And then when they collide, they create a different color so there's barriers of different color when you look at the ocean from above it's really cool and uh yeah so so the first day we got there we kind of just chilled a little bit I was in a really bad mood because of traveling and also I don't like change and there was a lot of change all at once but it so it takes me a couple days maybe at minimum a day to acclimate myself to the whole new culture and everything and also not seeing people uh, in Los Angeles, you're, you're kind of used to seeing thousands of people a day and not caring about them. And then you go to somewhere like Alaska and you see tens of people a day and you care about them. Not necessarily like you, you, you care about them, like you know them and you, you know, but, but you feel a little bit more connected to humanity in places like that. You kind of feel like you're, you're in something, you, you, you know, you, you kind of have skin in the game with these people because you're, you're all just surviving. It's hard. It's hard. But it's enjoyable. It's hard but enjoyable. Places like Los Angeles, it's kind of easy and miserable. And that's kind of the whole life lesson, the main life lesson. Every day we did something, every day we were out, we climbed a mountain and whatever, it was like, oh, we're almost going to die. But you enjoyed it and you kind of didn't notice you were going to die until you reflected on that later. So then, okay, so then next day we wake up really early and then we, we put all our gear on. We probably brought more gear than we needed to. 
strap on my revolver for bears just in case and my my rifle that shoots 308 pack up my backpack climb upstairs uh, upstairs climb upstairs no climb up a, a thousand foot mountain in elfin cove the proper thing we should have probably done is to camp out up on top of the mountain and uh, not do that hike three times <laughs> up and down a thousand foot mountain where there aren't any trails you know how like at every little hey let's go hiking in Runyon Canyon in Los Angeles uh, those are man-made trails it's not really hiking or climbing or anything but this was actual uh, hiking and actual climbing and and the brush is thick and uh, it would have been cool if we had a machete to kind of like go through all of it but uh, we uh, then yeah we 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 climbed up that mountain our friend JJ who lives there he's a fisher he's a fisherman he uh, had a bum knee so he kind of he kind of gave up halfway and he's like yeah just go up there later on when we told him we went up there he's like I didn't think you'd make it and th- that was kind of a theme also like oh you did that didn't think you were going to be able to do that didn't think you'd make it because we have it too good in the cities and that is sad that's why everyone's miserable so we climbed up the mountain and we saw two does and and the whole day we were there we saw two does female deers adults and uh legally we were not allowed to kill them that day because uh the season for them literally started the next day so we figured okay we'll let them live we will let them live because we're gonna have more opportunities to see them they live here. What what also what people don't understand, especially people who are anti-gun and anti-hunting and all that, is uh, that we're at a disadvantage. We're in their territory. Yes, we have a gun, but they will spot you before you spot them. For the most part, they can smell you the same way we smell uh, skunks. I didn't know humans smelled that bad, but according to deer, we do. So uh, we let them live. It was beautiful. We were taking in the scenery. We were, we were in awe. We've never seen landscape like that. It was kind of like Dr. Seuss where like, the, f- the, the ground was bouncy because it was mostly like moss or something. Don't know. Don't know anything about that, but really, really cool. And uh, we were in awe. And uh, so, yeah, we went up there and we you know experienced all that. Oh, by the way, you know how quiet it is up in the mountains you have to shut your mouth it's basically you have to go up there and meditate you can't speak you can't speak they're gonna hear you not only that but it's so quiet nature is so it's violent yes the way what animals do to each other to survive is very violent but it's quiet i it was so quiet that uh, a bird 200 yards away flapping its wings up in the air i heard that and i was like shut the hell up you bird that was loud. Humans are very noisy. I didn't really realize that up in, in, until I got in, into Elfin Cove, population 20, climbed a 1,000-foot mountain and had to hear a bird flap its wings 200 yards away. I didn't realize we were that uh, noisy. So that was day one. It was pretty rough. Um, I did pretty well with hiking because of all the gym stuff I do in Los Angeles. But, you're, you're you know, you're... By by the middle of the trip, I had bruises everywhere. I was banging up uh, everything. But it doesn't matter. You don't care about that. All you need to do is to not die. 
and it takes a lot to not die. You have to pay attention. So day one, that was th- that was day one. We kind of switched things up every day because we wanted to kind of see every different thing Alaska had to offer. So day two, we uh, went to this place called the Salt Chuck. It was like a probably thirty minute boat ride. And then when we took the boat in, we had uh, I saw by the by the way, like every day I saw bald eagles, which is really cool. But I uh, we went to this place called the Salt Chuck where the tides are crazy we got in the water was full but we had to leave our friend's boat uh put an anchor and then uh take some kayaks a dinghy and all that and then we kayaked and dinghied in (laughs) and uh the 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 water it was full so like we really had just the 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 little piece of shore to go around and then we climbed up another mountain this was like a 1200 foot mountain and uh, we were that 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 place was bear country. We didn't notice that until we got down the mountain, and tide the tide was crazy, crazy, crazy low. I'll tell you that about that in a second. But we climbed up this mountain that was harder than the mountain be- the day before. Not only because it was a little taller, but because the whole thing was made out of <laughs> the whole mountain was made out of um. It it was kind of mossy too, but it it was way more thick. The mountain was more, th- the range was more thick and and vertical, like steep, and e- all the shrubbery was kind of dead, so you couldn't grab onto a branch and use that to kind of climb up. Uh, so you really had to be careful. So it was a lot scarier. And JJ didn't even bother climbing that day, so we really kind of had to wing it and figure it out on our own, and uh, explore this alien land. <laughs> That we've never we've never been there, so we we kind of did that without him. Uh, he was basically our guide, and we just did that. And uh, we climbed the mountain. We we didn't we spotted some deer uh, evidence, but we didn't really see anything. And then we uh, then we you know basically after just hanging out up there for like thirty minutes, we're like, okay, let's just go back down, and uh, we'll probably get something on the shore. By the time we got down, by the way, climbing down was harder than climbing up. It was really scary and dangerous. Again, but didn't have time to think about that until later. So we climbed back down, and then we uh, noticed, oh, there is no more ocean. It's gone. The tide changed so quickly that there was no more ocean. And then we started to notice a lot of pieces of grass matted down. And then we started to notice some paw prints. And then we started to see some dead salmon. That, yeah, the salmon dies naturally uh, when the tides change so crazy like that. Because we also saw giant jellyfish, beached jellyfish. Uh, but but there was a ton of salmon carcasses half-eaten from bears. And we kind of patrolled that area for hours and hours and hours. And it, it was like cold. and It wasn't rainy, but it was kind of cold and, and damp. But the when we were kind of patrolling the area and we had more room to, to walk around because of the, the tide, we heard a giant bear. For sure the bears were watching us the whole time. For sure they were watching us the whole time. Uh, but I guess we didn't scare them, and that's why they didn't, they didn't try to kill us. But we did hear a large growl, which, again, for some reason wasn't scary. It was more interesting than scary. It should have been scary. It would have been scary in Los Angeles, but it, it just, I guess it, it's to be expected there. So it wasn't scary. And uh, that day was really crazy. 
Also, every time we took the boat out, by the way, every time we took the boat out, uh, we would see uh, uh, whales. Whales are everywhere. People, it, that was a byproduct of, of the hunting trip, is like to see the whales, to see the eagle, bald eagles, to see bears, to see all these things. Uh, that, was, uh, that was all byproduct. And people pay thousands of dollars to go whale watching. Like they will specifically go to Alaska to try to see whales when we were just seeing them because we had, you know, we took the boat out to go to a new spot. You, you, you be, besides flying in, you, you can only take a boat. There's no cars. There was no cars there. Um, so that was cool. Then day three, we, we, uh, were then like, yeah, let's, let's, uh, kind of take the boat and go see different beaches. We, we, uh, we heard that the deer like to hang out by the shore a lot, which was actually true. That was the day we saw the most deer, but <laughs> the sad thing for a lot of people who don't really hunt or and are a little bit of hypocrites because they eat veal <laughs> and they eat cows and they eat baby sheep and all that uh, is we we only saw young deer, like 11-month-old, a year max, really small. But you're allowed to kill them if they're not with their parents. I think, like, you're allowed to kill them with the, if they're with their parents, but it's, like, ethically not cool, so people don't do that. We didn't see any big ones. The only time we saw the bigger deer, not bucks, but female deer, was uh, the first day we went up. So the third day, we're, we're just, uh, you know, going from beach to beach. And uh, we were kind of stoked. And, and the crazy thing is, is that, for me at least, since this is kind of new to me, I... Uh, I couldn't really spot them as quickly as everyone else was. But then after like a few hours, you just start training yourself and you're able to just spot them. They're, they're, they're kind of like out of place. You start realizing, oh, they're out of place. But they blend in really well. That's another thing that they do is they blend in really, really well into their surrounding. Um, and it's also harder to spot the small ones. But that that whole day we saw babies. The whole day, not with the pa not with the the mother or anything, and uh, and I think they're kind of a little bit more retarded <laughs> than the older ones. They they don't really have refined senses yet. So we got one, we got one that day. It's still tough, even though you can spot them from the boat and everything. We got one, and that night we feasted. We ate the liver. And we ate the backstrap, which is like steak, kind of. And then we we took the rest and put it in a in a can and in in cans and uh, glass cans. And then we uh, what's it called? Pressure cook them. So I have some in my fridge. We traveled with it. So that was good. That made the trip worth it. But it doesn't matter. Every day is a mission. The next day we're like, okay, the weather's good today. Let's climb back up the, the mountain in Elfin Cove. Let's wake up at five thirty in the morning and go first light, not sponsored by First Light, but uh, so we did that. And when we got up to the mountain, which actually the hike that time was a lot easier because you knew we knew you knew what to expect more. By the time we got up that day, um, it was about seven a.m. or seven thirty a.m. and the light the, the the sun was still coming up which was really cool to see um, when the sun was coming up and then and then it started like lighting everything and then certain parts started getting a little bit warmer. 
and uh, the moment we got up, one of uh, our one of our friends spotted uh, a large deer, probably a doe, and uh, and that was it. Oh wait, this thing wants to restart. I don't want to do it yet because I'm recording this. So hopefully, my computer will be nice to me. And let me continue recording this. So we, when we got up there, we spotted it. It probably heard us. It probably smelled us. The wind was going everywhere. And uh, it, it, we, we ended up being up there in beautiful weather from 7.30 a.m. to about 4 or 5 p.m. And oh, for those of you joining this periscope, I'm also periscoping this, by the way. I'm talking about my trip to Alaska. So we're on day four. Day four, climbed up this mountain and uh, saw one deer the moment we got up. Then we didn't see anything else the rest of the day. But it doesn't matter because you're surrounded by beauty. And it's almost like you're up there and you're meditating. Yes, I did get cell phone service. And yes, I did use my cell phone a little bit to link up with the world, but for the majority of the time, I'm chilling up there. I'm eating some Cheez-Its and some M&Ms because there's no real food in Elfin Cove. Uh, that's why you have to kill a deer. There's no real food. Uh, we asked, When we got there the first day, we asked them, um, are there any restaurants here? Even though there's a population of 20, the ladies just said, uh, Joanne, who owns this store, the, one, the only store with some food there, um, said, uh, oh yeah, the restaurant closed for the season. Because uh, everyone left. <laughs> everyone left. I think that the population that when we were there was about 20. But for, for the people who stay there all year long, it's only four. I think four people are crazy enough to want to live there. All year. It's beautiful, but there's no food. There's no other people. There's no human contact or anything. And uh, I, I confirmed this. One of the people that lives there uh, has a kill list of people he wants to kill. But I think he's crazy. I think he knows he's crazy, so it's good he just lives in the least populated area in North America. So that's good. Um, but everyone else is pretty nice there. I mean, they're a little bit off, but they're pretty nice. And uh, so that was day four. And literally, the only we only had one day where we got one deer. But it the, the trip, it was just worth it. It was worth it because of just the experience. We figured day five... We would, um, you know, have a nice relaxing day, right? Let's go to a diner. Let's go eat at a diner. The nearest diner was a 45-minute boat ride away. So we're going to go eat at a diner. We have to call beforehand because she's not going to stay open for uh, a town of a population of 90 when it, the weather's shitty. So we had to call and make sure, hey, uh, forgot your name, but can you stay open? Let's just say her name's Kathy. She looked like a Kathy. Can you stay open for us? So she said, yes, we took a boat ride. We got there right on time. And uh, the weather was deteriorating. It was getting worse and worse. But we had a really awesome meal. She thought it was funny that I told her I haven't been in a restaurant in four days. It was a big deal for me because of the food we were eating before, minus the deer we got. Um, which So every meal was kind of the best meal because you you kind of appreciated pieces of civilization a little bit more. So she stayed open for us, and she goes, so what, el what, what are you boys up to? What, el what else are you going to do today? 
And we said, oh, we're going to go from here. We're going to go to the hot springs. There's natural hot springs, you know, just to kind of decompress and, and, and uh, heal our wounds. Um, and she said, oh, that's probably not a good idea to go today because the weather was getting worse and worse and worse. And we just said, it, uh, we'll, we'll go. We'll just go. We'll go. We'll wing it. We'll see. We'll see. We'll go. So it's another hour of a boat ride to go to the hot springs. But it was worth it was worth it. It was special. And uh when we got there we we dropped the anchor and uh noticed it was rainier and windier and uh and we were seasick kind of. But uh, you know, we're gonna drop the anchor, take the kayak in. I had to go back and forth because uh we didn't have the dinghy anymore. I dropped off my brother, I came back to the boat, picked up a friend and went back to shore. And uh, and then we got to go in the hot springs. It was an hour. It was beautiful. There's a cabin, and they built it in the 80s on top of the natural hot spring. So it kind of looks man-made, but it's not really, really good. I think the water is like 140 or 150 degrees. So you have to ease into it. But once you're in it, it's amazing. It smells like uh, farts because <laughs> because it's sulfur. It's a sulfur uh, hot spring. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so we were there for an hour and we noticed the ocean was getting worse and worse. So after an hour, we're like, guys, we got to get out. And we had to make sure the boat was still there. It was. So again, I, I, uh, I, t- I kayaked, I dropped myself off. My brother went back and forth, picked up with the friends. And then, uh, when we got, when we were all ready to go, we couldn't bring up the anchor. The, the weather was that bad. It, I think it got stuck underneath. So we, we dropped the anchor, put a buoy on it, and our friend with the boat said he'll figure that out in the future and go back whenever and get his anchor. So we dropped the anchor, and then we, we, we uh, start start jetting off. That's that's the word. That's, I think, the word that the the fishermen use. I don't know. I'm not – I don't I'm – a, I'm a poser. So, so when we start going – the the ocean is getting rougher and rougher. I can't remember how big the waves were, but uh, there was a time where where we kind of hit one, and then I almost hit my head on top of the the roof of the boat. But that doesn't matter. But JJ, who is our friend who lives there, he never shows emotion, and uh, we kind of got used to that. And and every time we would do something dangerous, he would tell us after, like, "Oh, I can't believe you did that." <laughs> Or I didn't think you'd make it. <laughs> it's almost like he was trying to kill us. So I got to watch out for that in the future. Maybe he was trying to kill us. But he turns to, to me and my friend Micah and says, uh, yeah, you're going to want to open up that, that uh, what's the downstairs of a boat called? Whatever. You're going to want to open up that room. And we go, why? And he goes, yeah, you're going you're gonna to want to put on some life vests. And we knew it was serious because he doesn't he doesn't kind of warn us about that. And again, like I said before, he might have wanted us to die. But he definitely wanted us to feel like we were going to die all the time. So there was only two life vests for the four of us. So my brother and his friend got it. And uh, after an hour and 40 minutes, we got back to, sh- to, to Elfin Cove. And then he turns to us and said, yeah, I didn't think we were going to make it. I, I was really scared. I didn't <laughs> I didn't know he was that scared. But uh so yeah, that's another day we almost died. That was our relaxing day. That was we didn't hunt that day. That was the day, you know, we, we decompressed and went to the hot springs. You know, the thing people do on vacation. But for us it was it was the extreme hot springs and it was it was an extreme um thing. 
you know? What did we do on the, s the sixth day? I can't remember. Can I? I don't know. But but uh, when we... I think we had one more day, one more day of hunting. I can't remember. But then we, we got a flight, and we went to the place where he spends most of his time when he's not fishing. It's a town called Haynes. Uh, we had to take a, a seaplane to Juneau, and then from Juneau we took a, a big Cessna caravan and landed in a, we in a weird airport. It was kind of like nestled between two mountains. So it had to do like this extreme crazy turn when we landed in this place called Haynes, which is population 2000. So there was actually little coffee shops and restaurants there. And he, our buddy JJ, he owns a bed and breakfast that was built in 1904. And it was the surgeon's house of a fort. Like most of the nice homes there are part of a fort that were built in the early 1900s. So it was really, really cool, really scenic. But that was the rest. That, 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 that part of the trip was kind of more like chill, and we got to eat real food and just hang out. And uh, we went to, like, this anim animal conservation thing. Oh, but that day we, we did, when we were driving around and, and looking around the town, we drove by the river. I forgot what it was called, but there was a bear. There was a, a just a bear in the wild eating some fish. So it wasn't that scary because it was kind of just chill, and it, I think it knew we were watching it, So, but it was eating fish. That was really cool. Um, but yeah, around, around those days, I, 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 he, he just let me take his car, which the wheel was on the wrong side and it was an early nineties, weird Japanese car that had no traction. And that day, the, the one, the, the first day we were there, the winds were going crazy, like gale storm force winds or whatever, like 40 or 50 mile an hour winds. So that day I thought I was going to die too, but it didn't matter cause it was fun. All I knew is more the the longer I was in Alaska, the more I realized I don't like Los Angeles. I don't like the people. I don't like how dirty it is. I don't like the homeless people everywhere. The whole time I I, I was in Alaska, I saw one or two homeless people in Juneau, and that's about it. That's it. And everyone's really nice to each other. What I did notice also that I did like was the the there were gun shops everywhere. You could just go and buy a gun. By the way, there was like there's no murder in Alaska either. Um, and, uh, so the gun shop in Haynes is in a quick, quickie mart and the gunsmith there, the guy who like fixes guns and stuff, he also fixes your skate decks. If you're a kid and you, you, you're a skater, he does that too. So that's pretty cool. Jack of all trades. And you can just go buy a gun at the quicks. You know, when you, when you pick up a Slurpee, you can go pick up a, a, you know, a little Glock. A little Glock, you know? And everyone's nice to each other. I don't know. Maybe they're on to something. Maybe that's how places should be. Maybe that's where we, we should live and behave. Someone just said, Alaska is all suicides d due to the cold. Yeah, suicide is kind of like a thing in general. I, I mean, you, can, you can find, you know, a ton of suicides in Los Angeles because of all the failure. Not all the cold, but all the failure. <laughs> So so that was really cool. There's some other stuff we did. Like I mentioned, we went to this animal conservationist thing where we saw moose and reindeer and another bear, but that was a captive bear and, and uh, a wolverine and a wolf and all these things. But it wasn't that impressive because we were accompanied by cruise ship people. Those are the types of people who, who have really nice relaxing vacations who 
don't get in danger, who've never been in danger, and who are really annoying and who love uh, How I Met Your Mother or The Big Bang Theory. That's that type of person, you know, boomers, but, like, people who are soft. So it was, like, it was us and then 30 of those people. So so they kind of have to entertain them in that kind of manner and, you know, tell jokes and be goofy and all that, which is weird because there weren't any kids. So to to act like that with uh, adults was a little bit worrisome to me. So the, I'm glad that that was the little part of the trip that was like that. And the rest of it was roughing it and uh, r- really exploring and really going on real adventures. So we kind of like that kind of not just because of the pageantry of the whole thing. But we did like the, you know, we did like to see those animals. And, uh, you know, other than that, the, the last thing worth really worth mentioning was the last thing I saw before leaving Haynes before going back to Juno, which that whole flight we it, that that in and of itself was pretty dangerous, too. Uh, was the last thing we saw was a family that got a giant moose. In that area, you can only hunt per season 20 moose. So that was the 11th or 12th moose. And um, I think I posted this in my story. If not, just remind me and I'll post it in my story on Instagram. But um, this family of like six or something, the father got the moose and he took it to the place for the ranger to to check it. And uh, the kids were playing on a dead moose, which was really cool. I, I the first thing that I, I pictured was uh, L.A. kids seeing a dead moose and having a nervous breakdown and having to have book an extra session with their therapist because of of how triggering that is to them. While the kids in Alaska are badass and play on top of a dead moose that will feed them for the next six to eight months. It was beautiful. It was such a beautiful thing to see. And, it, and it's really how you perceive things. Uh, you know, if you if you experience nature the way we did. It's a beautiful thing. And and, and people who hunt and, and, and you know, it, it, they, they I think they appreciate the food more because they are the ones who went out and got it. And they are the ones who who spent all the time to to uh, to hunt it and stock stock it and, and, you know, kill it and field dress it and all that. They have a real connection to their food the same way Native Americans did. Or the same way people did be pre-industrial revolution, they ha- they have a real. That's as primal as you can get is hunting and killing, and field dressing, and eating your own food. That is magical. So we saw that. I mean, we did that, but we did it with a small deer. They did it with a giant moose that will feed them for the next six to eight months, and uh, and and I don't know. That was something really cool to see. But as I was saying, the moment we were getting back to Los Angeles, the moment I realized, like, this is just, there, there's no, there's nothing for me here. There, there, it's just, everyone's really uh, jaded. Everyone hates everyone else. And uh, everyone, prote- th- that's another thing, is that people here pretend to care. They pretend to have this connection with Mother Earth. While we were there, there was the big climate change rallies here. And the crazy thing is, is that, what, I mean, specifically, what are you protesting? I've realized that the whole climate change movement and all that is really to inject their communist, socialist, Green New Deal takeover of all industry nonsense. It's it's nothing to do with the environment. It's about control. And that's what it's always been. But it's it's becoming more and more apparent that that's what it is. 
If you want to have a real connection to nature, go live in it. It's easy to think the world is dying when you live in cities like Los Angeles, which aren't killing the, it's not killing the world. It's actually like it's like a really 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 tiny sliver of the whole world. Do you know how many open spaces there are? Do you know how many I mean it's 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 insane how large Alaska is and how few people live there. It's very special and and, and all across the United States th- there it exists. The large cities you know, make up a small percentage of of the land in this country. And that's just this country. But that whole movement is a farce, especially when they prayed that that little retarded girl from Sweden. Um, And and they hide behind her because if you criticize a 16-year-old, you're an evil person. That's how you know a movement is a farce, is if you make a little girl your, your figurehead and you don't make credible people your figurehead it's it's about propaganda and it's easy to make propaganda when you have little kids do it but there was those uh those um the walkout on friday and then all weekend they had the protests but no one ever protests china or india or indonesia or any of these countries that uh are actually ruining and polluting the environment we do a pretty good job in in this country first first world countries are doing a pretty good job those countries are 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 not and, and and that's one of the signs that the whole movement is a farce also on the weekend which which the the media didn't really talk about there's a group of conservatives uh pro trump people who who flew out and came to los angeles and they i they went i think somewhere in skid row or something but they they um they cleaned up 50 tons of trash in 8 hours or 9 hours and they did it without government help and they did it just just through social media and planning and all that and um they they uh they were overshadowed by uh people protesting something that they don't even know what they're protesting protesting they're just doing it to feel good and 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 it's just such a sad thing it's one of the most frustrating things to me right now besides the whole gun control movement which they again forgot about you know until the next shooting uh the the climate change thing is 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 probably the most frustrating one because it's it's again it's about control and so is the gun control thing too but this is about global control and it's hypocritical they don't want to give up any of their comforts but they want to they want you to and they uh they want a huge restriction of freedom they want to regress Progression to them, is, progress to them is regression. It's, uh, let's go back to pre-industrial revolution. No one can fly, no one can drive cars, no one can do any of these things. Uh, let's use solar and wind, which are actually garbage and actually need a lot of land to exist. Uh, it's actually not good for the environment. Nuclear is actually probably the best, uh, which the technology in that is way different than what it was in the 50s and 60s. Uh, but that again, that's another sign that the whole thing is a farce. But when they use those little kids like that, mainly that little girl Greta, whatever, um, and make her a prophet, that is also it's pretty disgusting. But like I said, they make her a prophet. Which the weird thing about that, by the way, is the fact that um, they those types of people. And again, I'm not really a religious person, but I see value in it, especially for the majority of people. People have been rapidly 
becoming more secular and leaving religion behind, leaving it kind of as a relic, uh, uh, outdated relic of the past. They just leave it behind and throw it away. But but people inherently need to be a part of something, and they need to believe in something, and they need to they, 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 there needs to be a sense of community. So they start believing in the dogma of man-made climate change, which, again, it's a farce. Yes, the, the, there are signs that the world is getting a little bit warmer, but in, in this time span that it's been happening, it's a blip in the, the history of the world. There are times in the history of the world where it's been tropical all over the world. 99.9% uh, .9 of all species that existed have gone extinct, extinct, so it's not out of the ordinary for that to happen. And um, and we can't even predict a hurricane a week out. And and models like climate change models and all those things are 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 flawed. They're made. The algorithms are made by humans. So there's and it's skewed to kind of you know have their narrative implemented in it. So the whole thing is flawed. And 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 all of the. The people who say 97% of scientists, whatever, that's all kind of bullshit. You should look into that. Uh, I, my, I need to refresh my memory on that. But uh, I do know that that most of the – if you're a scientist and you want to get a government grant and you want to get money backing your study, uh, you need to have – they, they, they kind of force you to um, have their narrative injected into it beforehand. So the hypothesis is totally ruined when it's when it when when it's there's interference in it in the beginning um like if i wanted to make a study and say climate change is bullshit and here's why and i need a five hundred thousand dollars or whatever the government no one's they're not going to fund it because it goes against the narrative and the narrative it comes down to control and that's the frustrating thing about it so when they have uh that little girl that they made famous overnight that they try to make it like a grassroots thing like no we there was no pr behind that there's no, she just came out of nowhere and uh, and all of a sudden she's a superstar no and uh it's sad when she's going to kill herself in the future and 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 not only that the thing that's bothering me is they're scaring kids you can find these videos all uh, uh, of kids uh, talking to politicians and all that they they're they are so scared. They think they are going to die in 10 to 12 years. They think that that's all that's left. So people are abandoning the idea of having families, meaningful relationships, having babies, and so on. And they're replacing it with, um, you know, using different kinds of light bulbs and, and, you know, a different kind of car or whatever and not having babies. And, they, they you know, they, then they, there's really a disconnection from them and uh, uh, a future. They have no skin in the game. But uh, they they are. It's so it's so weird because of the the and I hate using the left and the right and whatever. But for now, it seems like the 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 people who want to kill your kids, <laughs> they want to kill the babies that aren't born yet. They want to kill the the people that exist already by destroying their futures, uh, by feeding them nonsense. They 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 want to scare them while they're young. They want to also sexualize all these kids. It's disgusting what's happening, and it's happening in all fronts. It's not just this climate change thing. It's 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 literally everything, and it begins with the abortion. And if the kids make it and they don't get aborted, they will get them in school, and they will kill their hopes and dreams in school. And 
that is why I want to leave Los Angeles. It's it's not as bad in places like Montana. It's definitely not as bad in Alaska. You'll meet the most hippie-looking people there who talk about moose hunting and talk about their gun collection and what they have and, and whatnot. So it's like you can it, you can definitely judge a book by its cover in places like Los Angeles because you, you figure someone out just by how they look right away. You can't do that really in Alaska because you'll look at someone and be like, oh, man, that guy's a hippie. He, he, he has dreads and everything. And uh, But no, he's more badass than you. And I hate to admit that, but he is. Uh, so I think I got some questions. Let me get to some questions. That was my trip to Alaska. It was amazing. Uh, you can, if you guys want, you can follow my personal Instagram. I posted some pictures there or my Twitter. It's at Josh Lakash, L-E-C-A-S-H. Uh, my Instagram is private, but if I see you follow Sadwater, I'll allow it. I will allow it. Um, or if I see you're not a spam account, I will allow it. Uh, someone said, if you aren't already recording, I just Googled who is Greta Thunberg or Thunberg. It's That's the retarded girl I was talking about. Because I generally never heard of her. And I get all her video recommendations. And blah, 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 blah. Not necessarily about her herself, but maybe why Google can't just fucking hit me with a biography link instead of propaganda. Well, her whole thing is propaganda. And she's part of a whole propaganda movement. People like her really wouldn't be able to exist without the mainstream media really pushing them and writing all these articles about her and all that because it's not genuine. And and it's weird because it's kind of like the cruise ship people that I was talking about in Alaska. These people eat up propaganda. Um, and and it's kind of like why politicians like Hillary Clinton can become the nominee because they, they, they are backed by billion-dollar corporations made to look grassroots, but it's not. And... Um, it is propaganda. The real, the real uh, movements are, I guess, even people like Marianne Williamson. She's running for president on the Democrat side. I mean, they, they keep trying to bring her down, but she has a pretty dedicated following. And, uh, yeah. But the, the good thing about propaganda is it kind of eventually will reveal itself. And it can't stay... It, it it can't stay uh it can't hide behind the facade of grassroots for for too long like people start getting it kind of like how a lot of people are waking up to the fact that gay pride month is a huge corporate a huge <laughs> a huge part of corporate culture and it re- really only exists because of propaganda the fact that they push such a movement that really is only like 1% of the population and they make it super mainstream um, people start realizing that it's disingenuous, that it's it's kind of wrong in the sense that it, it has nothing to do with the mainstream. And uh, and people r- start realizing that like things like the, the, the nuclear family is becoming vilified more and more, but the nuclear family is what created those gay people to begin with. So you kind of need it. You kind of need straight people. They make the gay people. So stop vilifying them and encourage it. And encourage traditionalism and all that. Uh, you ate Bambi. Yes, that is true. Did you shoot a bear? No, uh, I didn't. And it, and it's not like I came close to, but I was really glad I, I was able to just walk around with the revolver 
on my hip, not only because I looked like a badass and it was really cool, and it aesthetically just it felt right, you know? Like, I, I, I want to now walk around Los Angeles with the revolver on my hip and uh like like a like a cell like another accessory like a cell phone you know i want that to be my life that's why i'm moving to that's the main reason i'm moving to montana uh but no i i uh i definitely felt safer having it just because there were bears everywhere and they were watching us it's almost like they are you know voyeuristic they they just will get off by watching humans bumbling idiot humans just wandering around where not they're not supposed to did not shoot a bear, but definitely good that we had protection, bear protection. We also had bear mace. You follow Nick Fuentes on your personal Twitter. Do you watch his show, America First? No, I don't. Um, I think the guy's an interesting guy. I don't really agree with him fully politically, especially with the JQ, the Jewish, <laughs> his whole thing with the Jews. Um, I don't really think he hates Jews, but he uh, he's definitely a little bit, a little bit, a little bit skeptical of Jews, which I am. I am a Jew. He follows me back, so I hope he, uh, if he finds out I'm a Jew, I hope he doesn't unfollow me and takes it. You know, I I hope he doesn't feel threatened by me. I'll tell him there's no secret Jewish meeting. Like I I wish there was. I wish I was a part of the Illuminati or something. How beautiful is Alaska? Man, my mic stand sucks today. Uh, how beautiful it's, it's, you're, you gotta go to Alaska. You're, it's, you're visiting another planet within our planet. And I feel like that's what Iceland is, but Alaska is in our country. You don't need a passport. It's not that expensive to fly there. The only thing that's really expensive is the food there because they have to import everything besides what you kill and hunt, hunt and kill or whatever. Um, but it's. I mean, like I was saying before, it's crazy. There's the the mountains that reach the the ocean. You have to kind of either go on by boat or by airplane everywhere. Like we took some airplanes that landed in the ocean a couple of times. It was really cool. Um, and I don't know. I mean, it was it was special. Most of it is untouched by human. It's really really cool. It's 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 hard to explain. But as rough as the trip was, it was probably the best trip I've ever had in my life. It was it was unbelievable. Uh, why is chemistry so hard? I I, I'm, I assume you're talking about school, but I uh, I guess it, I I had to pay my chemistry teacher. I bribed him to pass that class. I ended up getting a B plus without knowing anything. So I don't know. And chemistry between people is also hard, and that is because. It's getting harder because of technology and all that. Are you going to listen to the new Blink-182 album? No. I used to love Blink-182 when I was a kid, but there's I'm not. I'm done with that. I listen to good music now. If you have a baby, are you going to... Okay, I'm not reading that. I have no idea what that means. Why is Alaska so un- unbelievably cold? Because the Earth's axis and something and it's up in north. I don't know. Uh, sex ed in schools. Um, I guess so. But you know what's happening with sex ed is that, like I was saying before, how they start they're, they're sexualizing young kids. They are now introducing it into kindergarten because that's not weird and that's not creepy. Was there snow 
I'm on the last page of of, of uh, questions. Was there snow in Alaska? There was in some parts, but it wasn't snowing. Hunting. Already spoke about that. There we go. Uh, disregarding the issue about funding, would you be more pro college if it was cheaper slash free? Absolutely not. Um, like I like I mentioned before, I think that college should be reserved just for the impressive, like just for geniuses, like. Bill Gates types who eventually just drop out anyways and do their own thing. Um, but most people aren't curious enough to justify going to college. And if they are, it's it's with things that they could learn on their own. Most people are not impressive. Most people should just not go. And if, if fewer people went, that's how the price would kind of drop. There wouldn't be such a gold rush of, of predatory lending. Any, those those that wouldn't exist anymore. So there would actually there would be a real market with prices. So it would, it would drop like that. Um, and then all for the people who don't go to college and who who are young and who don't really know what they want to do, they could always uh, intern or or they could um become a uh, what's it called? Fuck, what's it called? Not a mentor. What's the opposite? Whatever. I forgot the the word, but they can go intern places and they can go uh, to trade schools and all that and, and learn skills and get really good jobs that way and make make careers that way. Uh, is flat football flag football a real sport? Nope. Thoughts on the current GM situation? No idea what you're talking about. What the f is Alaska? It's the greatest state on earth. What are you talking about? Last question. Do you have any tips for going on a trip to Alaska? Uh, you should probably find a good guide when you go. I think that's what it is. Like find a, find a person who that's their job. They're a local guide. They can help you going, you know, going to the best spots and, and, and maybe go hunting. Um, and if it's, if not that it's just for the best, uh, I don't know, just to, I just to go to the best spots. You, you, you gotta, you probably should get a guide. Um, also it's, it's not super expensive. Just, I mean, like the flight was, the flight was 500 bucks. You just got to go honestly with that kind of place. You just got to go. Um, that is kind of it. That was kind of last. I, I have to run to this thing. You know, I have to, I have to go to this. Well, the mic I just yelled into, I have to go to this thing and a, yeah, I have a thing I got to go to right now. So that is Sadcast episode 63, Alaska Trip Edition. I have Sadwater for this song. I'm getting sad.